Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go, Indie Game Business! everyone. We have David Miyoshi, who is the co-founder and CPO of Skillprint, and his topic will be unleashing the power of AI to personalize games. The floor is now yours. Thank you. Um, hi, so I'm David Miyoshi, and um, just a little bit of background on me. So I started my career um, with my first company, um, Mesmo. We were an early social game developer. We sold to GSN, the game show network here in the US and became uh, GSN Games. Um, built that to $100 million in revenue run rate, um, 75 million users around the world and uh, top 10 applications on iOS, Android and Facebook. Um, Co-founded uh, Skillprint and here to talk to you about how you can use AI to personalize your, your new and existing mobile games. Um, for developers of all sizes and how personalization really helps to impact user engagement, monetization, and really and really leave users more fulfilled. So three billion people around the world play games and these games do more and these and these existing games that they're playing do more than just entertainment. They really help to open and change people's minds. And there's a tremendous amount of research around this. So if what if games could actually help um, people to feel better? And people, you know, people are searching to, to feel better every day. If you look at media, social media, entertainment, um, really there's, there's a tremendous wide range of motivations that people have when they engage with entertainment. And a lot of that is to feel better. Um, people really spend a tremendous amount of money, hundreds, hundreds of billions of dollars a year to understand their minds and to feel better. And the, really the, the key that we believe is missing in, um, in and around the, uh, the gaming space is personalization. And what if personalization could really help to unlock this future of wellness? So, you know, here, helping people to, to feel better at scale is something that we can do with games. There's with these 3 billion people around the world playing games. We've got, you know, it's, there's also a huge problem that uh, the game companies are facing in terms of uh, being able to um, acquire the right users to retain them for longer. And we have an opportunity to, to also um, create this new future of wellness across other industries, looking at mental health, learning, education, corporate training, therapeutics, So if, if we could actually engage people 
um, and, and help them to, to achieve this new well-being. We can also at the same time solve a problem for, for game companies and helping them to find the right players and to help to help you keep those players in your games for longer and, and really overcome some of the challenges that, that, uh, that you're all facing with Apple and, uh, and privacy as well as other dynamics in the industry. Looking at the um, the motivations behind players, so this is this comes from first party research. You know, obviously people are playing to uh, to have more fun and for joy, but also um, people are looking to um, relax. Many people play games to relax. They play them before they go to bed. They play them, you know, after work or even during work to help to relax and reduce stress. And and other reasons like enhancing creativity, you know, challenging yourself, learning. Uh, helping yourself to focus and being more social and playing with friends. There's a tremendous amount of research out there that's been going on in, in research labs around the country, in universities around the country that, um, you know, about tens of thousands of research articles in cognitive science where they're using games in the labs to, to really understand some of the people's minds, understanding your cognitive skills, your personality, your motivations, and the impact that games are having on your mind. So at Skillprint, we've pulled together uh, a, a team of folks with experience in the industry. Chafin, my co-founder and chief executive officer, is um, founded Playnomics, which is doing an early pioneer in predictive analytics for games. He sold this company to Unity, became Unity Analytics. Um, Michael Mangus is, is a, we also have, uh, we're blessed with having three PhDs on the team. Uh, two of which are um, are in with a cognitive science neuroscience background. Um, our lead engineer Michael Mangus actually happens to have a PhD um, in neuroscience or media neuroscience. And uh, George has both a PhD in, in cognitive science as well as uh, has has been um, an assistant professor in, in artificial intelligence AI. The um, so looking at how we've we've approached the space. Um, there's there's a few things we've done. So one is we've created an ontology where we've looked at games and identified 140 different features across over 600 games, and basically then reviewed those games and pulled in um, other sources of information, other meta metadata around those games, like reviews, uh, professional reviews that are out there published, um, as well as other reviews that are associated with the games, um, and other metadata. The um, we've we've then gone ahead and also had users go through, play the games, and rate them in terms of their impact uh, against their mood and motivations. Um, we've then also gone ahead and, and created um, predictive models around um, which which uh, features relate to and can drive certain moods and behaviors and outcomes uh, associated with games. And then, and this this model is something that we continue to refine um, and develop and feed more data into. Um, and we've also done that across people playing games and um, and how those uh, uh, those games have an impact on the mind in terms of the ability to assess your cognitive skills or uh, assess personality or mood or motivations or have an impact on developing those skills, uh, personality and motivations. So actually, I'm going to go through the um, the science, uh, the player's point of view, and then 
uh, also look at the uh, the point of view of the, of the game industry. So in terms of the science and tech, so one, one of the things we've done here is created the kind of the first unified map uh, of the mind, combining skills, personality, and mood. Um, in many cases, especially in research, these, these are broken up into individual areas in terms of cognitive science, uh, personality or psychology, um, and, and, and looking at mood and mindset. And uh, we've tried to really create this unified skill print uh, of the mind, which combines all of these um, different elements uh, into one view that where you can start to identify and, and see yourself as um, uh, unique relative to, to other people. So this is still, still a work in progress in terms of the way we visualize it, but um, really trying to holistically look at someone and, and really understand how you're differentiated uh, from an AI and and really what differentiates people is their personalities, your cognitive skills. Cognitive skills are things like your memory, task switching, um, perceptual speed, attention, you know, math visualization, planning, pattern matching, and really decision making. So it's it's if you combine it together, it's kind of looking at your uh, create creativity, critical thinking. Um, and, and other skills. So yeah, grouping these together. So what what personality traits can someone have? You know, how do they uh, relate to the skills that you have? And what moods and mindsets um, uh, do people are people in? And those are things that typically uh, sh your mood and mindset something that that typically shifts more often. Cognitive skills can be developed, but but are skills that you typically have and likely have developed through playing games. Uh, and your personality is something that also can be developed, but uh, takes a, a lot longer to develop over time. So looking at um, uh, the research out there, a lot of it, um, it's, it's very clear that the research uh, says that um, games really can have an impact on, uh, on your cognitive skills. They can be used uh, to measure cognitive skills, oftentimes, the, the gold standard for cognitive assessments um, look like games. Uh, they like actually look like very um, boring, painful games like IQ tests. Um, but what we've been able to do is, in, and what many, what, what others have been able to do is to identify that that games, that existing games, can be used um, and actually to uh, to help assess um, cognitive skills, and that they can also um, be used to develop cognitive skills, um, so both inside and outside the lab. So again, also the um, the research out there identifies that the different motivations uh, that people have uh, in playing games, and there's a number of um, uh, there's no, there's a, a tremendous amount of research out there that shows that um, uh, people are playing games for different reasons. You know, and that's this. This is the uh, um, the research and motivations I was identifying earlier. So, um, you know, one of the one of the things that people are typically familiar with in the personality world is is Myers Briggs, um, but what, what most people don't know is that it's not based in science, and most of the uh, 
uh, the gold standard for personality assessments in the um, uh, research world is the big five. And the big five kind of does, uh, you know, mimic or, or look very similar to uh, the, the, the uh, Myers-Briggs. So things like openness to experience, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and emotional stability are the, uh, the big five personality traits. Um, and that's, and the, and these, uh, break down into other, you know, individual sub traits that go underneath them. But, um, as you can see, they're, they're fairly similar to, uh, the Myers-Briggs assessments. What we've, what we've discovered is that, is that there's a uh, strong correlation to the, um, the big five traits and the types of, and genres of games that you like. And a lot of it, I think, um, will make sense. And I, I know it's probably very hard for you to see, but I'll, I'll just uh, go through some of the, uh, highlight some of the, the findings that we had. So basically this was, this was taken from um, uh, having, you know, pen users in a study to, to go through, um, understanding their, uh, their personality traits, and then going through and uh, also understanding the, the game genres that they like and dislike. And so as, as you can see here, agreeableness. So someone that's agreeable um, really doesn't like shooter games, which which kind of also makes sense, and is more likely to like a, uh, a party game, arcade game, lifestyle game, idol games. Um, someone that is um, that is open, open to experience, is um, is uh, less likely to like sports, casino, shooter games, and more likely to like Kind of RPGs, indie games, lifestyle games, board games. Um, so there, there's um, a very, and, and you can see there's also a big difference, um, highlight a big difference in that it flips over for for folks that are more extroverted, actually tend to really like sports games as, as opposed to the the people that are um, open. That, are, that that have more uh, higher on the openness scale that actually tend to dislike sports games. So, and you know, everyone is on different scales relative to all of these um, the five different um, personality traits. Uh, so, you know, basically trying to figure out um, this is a, a way that we can help to try to figure out uh, what types of games people will, will enjoy more based on the different levels they are along these these different personality traits. Also, so we have a, a progressive web app that is available on, on our site. We use that as our, um, our test bed where we, um, we have over 40 plus games, games that we've, we've licensed. Uh, they're simple games, but they, they are across uh, the different casual game mechanics. And what we've been able to do is, is collect a tremendous amount of data as people go through and play the games, and then also have been able to identify and have folks um, to go through personality assessments, uh, as well as to uh, indicate before and after effects around mood and uh, the mood that they started with and the mood that they resulted with after playing these games. And so we've been able to build um, I build uh, predictive models uh, around games and game mechanics um, based on the, the data that we've collected across thousands, tens of thousands of users um, across these across these various game mechanics. The um, 
some of the things we've been able to identify is is looking at um, games as well as looking at the the gold standards for measurement of mood and the mood effects. And certain games have higher impacts across making it, you know, helping you to feel more creative, helping you to be more creative. Um, also looking at games that help you to um, uh, with curiosity or make you less curious and games that also um, increase your grit. So your, your determination or um, um, your ability to focus as well. So there's, there's a wide range of different types of games that actually help you to, to do, um, to have meaningful impacts on your ability across these various mood effects. And we've, uh, we've, we've seen that um, across a number of different, these 40 different games. So what we use, um, there's many different models out there in terms of, of how you look at cognitive skills. Uh, we, uh, we tend to focus on the, the CHC model of, um, uh, of breaking down cognitive skills into 20, 10 to 20 distinct uh, cognitive skills. So there's, this is a research standard that is, is leveraged. And, and really what, um, one of the main things that, that we focus on is uh, is the flow state. So the flow state is uh, between frustration and boredom. And you can imagine the games that have a wide range of, of players across different ages, across different cultures, um, and across different skill levels. So everyone has different cognitive skills and uh, different personalities, different motivations when they're entering a game. And you can imagine that if you had um, a 20 year old playing a game versus having a, a 50 plus year old playing that same game, uh, that they might have a, a very wide range uh, in terms of cognitive skills and in terms of the their memory, their, their processing speed, their ability to um, make decisions quickly within the game. And if you've got this tremendous wide range and skill level, but yet if you're, if you're providing a, um, a, uh, a single difficulty level. So, and if, or, or, you know, difficulty in a level. So let's say that you have, you know, obstacles coming at a particular speed, a certain number of obstacles, uh, that you, that you have. Um, so if you're looking at, for example, like a match three game and, uh, you start with a certain level of, of difficulty and progress, uh, in terms of the number of matches that are available on the board or the time that you have available to you to complete a certain number of matches that if you're if you're dealing with a 20 year old versus a, a 50 year old that they might be performing at different levels especially if they have a, a wide range of different cognitive skills and when that happens um, one of them is going to be frustrated and the other one might be bored on that same level and when you get and when you do that level after level and someone is frustrated for too long uh they will leave if someone is similarly if they're bored for too long they will leave and the ideal is that you want to be able to keep that that player in flow and the and the ideal with, with that is that um being able to customize or personalize uh the difficulty level so adjusting the parameters that you already adjust uh for, for games and already optimized for games for the average person, being able to do it for the individual person can have a tremendous impact. 
So, in, and in terms of the the way that um, we've been able to to build these predictive models and and, and actually work with game developers to um, personalize games in, in more real time, is to is to basically through a process of that same process of uh, using these these games, using games to collect data, we can basically plug in uh, via an SDK and um, and and train on data, provide visualizations to that data before actually uh, doing any personalization work. Um, but using that um, the game ontology that we've developed, uh, as well as as um, the users that that um, uh, that we can collect over twelve hundred data points from. Uh, uh, through through an individual game session, the um, and then basically benchmarking users, we can basically take players, run them through um, run them through games, and build predictive models. Players that that we understand the the cognitive assessments for, and basically build predictive models for um, um, for individual games. And so. Um, and the other thing we can do is look at the uh, the mood impact uh, of of a game specifically based on the data. So this is the this is a screenshot of the progressive web app I was talking about that uh, that we've used. And here you can see that we've got a, a number of of casual games that we've identified can have a, a positive impact on particular moods. So the ability to relax, focus, be more creative. We can provide you know fun rewards to the user to basically give them insight into themselves um, and and basically like the skills that they have. So this is an example here of a, of a koala, which happen, actually happens to have um, strong pattern matching skills, and and then also give someone a complete picture of your relative um, the relative skills that you have that make you unique. We've also developed a very fun uh, way to do personality assessment through. Um, through an interactive story format. So, um, yeah, the, so again, the three areas that that we that we can focus on here in understanding people's mind are their cognitive skills. It's their their mood and helping them to feel better. And ultimately, what we do is combine this um, not only to help people to feel better every day um, in the game in the games that they're playing, but also being able to gain a better understanding of themselves ultimately. One of the other things that um, that we can do is is, is um, without even integrating with a game, we can also begin to understand through our through the data that we have and the, the ontology that we've built, um, as well as, as as through user feedback and basically understand um, what games what impact uh, games can have on a person across the board. So we've done a number of ratings. We have them uh, on our blog, uh, on our website, um, but we've done a number of others that we're going to be continue to put out there that, that basically look at games and the positive impact those games can have on the mind. So as, as I was saying, that we, we can integrate into um, any game via SDK. We currently uh, we currently integrate with Unity games, but we'll be we'll be going out to um, to other platforms as well. Um, really interested to hear from from you guys in terms of uh, what types of games uh, you have. We can also go across a broad range of games. We've, we've started with 
uh, more casual games, as you'll see in our progressive web app. We're continuing to broaden that that depth, and yes, we can we can go to even the the most complex of games. Um, it's really uh, our SDK mimics um, in analytics SDK, so we get all we need are event driven um, data that we bring in, and uh, we can very much work in the background uh, to to collect data and to train on the data, and then be able to personalize games by adjusting the parameters that you already adjust within those games. We've gotten a tremendous um, amount of feedback um, from folks already, or in terms of um, the, in terms of the um, uh, identifying the right games for them and putting those right games for them to, to help them meet uh, their motivations and their goals. So even by using these these simple games um, within our app, uh, we've been able to to, to get people um, more engaged in the games because they they are able to achieve the goals that they're looking for. So if their goal is to relax, if their goal is to focus or be more challenged, um, putting them into the right game at the right time really leaves that player much more fulfilled uh, than they would be otherwise. If you um if you if you think about uh, media and one of the the things that um, that really is missing from the equation is you know a lot of um, a lot of uh, games really um, aren't able to to understand uh, the you know where the user is coming from, what skills they're coming in with, what their personality traits are, and uh, and what the user is trying to achieve when when they're playing your game or what they want. And um, with that understanding and being able to adapt the game uh, to that player. You can leave that player much more fulfilled, and uh, and when a player is fulfilled, they're going to combat more often, they're going to play for longer, and they're going to end up becoming paying users. People pay to feel better all of the time. So, from an industry perspective, you know there are a lot of challenges that that you guys are are all familiar with here in terms of. Um, the, the the CAC to LV, LTV um, model and how that has shifted dramatically, especially with the, the privacy changes that have taken place and the uh, the inability to target people uh, effectively. Um, you know, it's incredibly, as you all know, it's incredibly competitive out there and there are, are fewer, it seems like fewer dollars available for, for people to um, uh, access to build new games. And 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 everyone is struggling to try to extend the lifespan of your games and to to really get more out of the games that that you've already built, and um, and to really generate more revenue for the games and, and to lower the cost of acquisition, acquire the right players, and to um, uh, to really engage people in your games for longer. So with with hyper personalization, you it really changes the the dynamics of the game, um, of the game industry and the economics of the game industry fundamentally. If you think about um, the the best in class games that are um, acquiring players, and you have a, a day one return rate of of thirty to maybe forty percent, it's um you're you're losing you know, over 60 to 70% of users. And 
in many cases, it's it's unclear why those those players are not coming back. And having a better understanding of the players that are coming in, as well as um, having a better understanding of the skills they're coming in with, their personality, and being able to understand that through their game plan, through the way that they're playing your games, um, is something that can happen very, very quickly. Um, and that's something that can have a dramatic impact in that player coming back and coming back for longer. So this this here looks at um, what happens with, with players today, typically. And if you, if you think about, um, uh, and this is just looking at across, you know, a type of game that, especially when you look at um, level-based games, but where you typically want to increase the, the difficulty over time. And without an understanding of, of the player and just um, creating levels and, and uh, balancing levels for the average person, uh, oftentimes, depending on the person's ability to learn this and the skills they come in with, there's going to be a mismatch. And, and you might find that you dial up the, um, the, the difficulty level at a rate that is not consistent with the learning curve of the player or the, uh, the skills that the player came in with. And thus, you find as uh, you find that as a, a player progresses through the game, that they they move out of sync uh, with with the flow channel, and can become frustrated or can become bored. And uh, how that can happen, especially when you're looking at uh, a broad range of players that are coming in with a broad range of skills. We are all unique uh, in the skills that we come in that we come in with, and uh, depending on what is changing within the game. Um, it, that game can become frustrating or bored very easily. Um, but with the ability to, to change um, and adapt through adaptive, the adaptive play on a real-time basis, we can take in the, um, the parameters that you typically adjust on an ongoing basis and really um, and, and adjust those for each individual player and the skills that they have. And when we say real-time, it's, it's typically... You know, between levels, it's typically um, uh, it's typically um, as uh, in breaks in gameplay. So it's not going to be you know exactly real time, but it'll be at points um, so that the user isn't frustrated by playing the same level you know multiple times and not able to get through um, through a game. Indie Game Business has one of the longest running digital event series in the gaming industry with hundreds of publishers, investors, developers, and tech companies to meet with. All the sessions are always free to watch forever, and you can get a free pass to receive all the slide decks from all the speakers. The tickets for meetings start just at $50. Go to IndieGame.Business and use the code IGBPODCAST to get 20% off your ticket. So in the, and the key piece also to, uh, to understand is that 
um, this personalization can work across an existing game. It works with the parameters that that you're already adjusting. So if you have, um, you know, if you're building levels and you're changing certain parameters manually when you see that you're losing users on a particular level, um, you can basically uh, change those 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 um, uh, knobs or plug them in so that you can basically adapt them for each individual person. Uh, on an ongoing basis. Um, we can pull in and basically identify what parameters you're already changing, as well as uh, your particular game, and identify the, the positive and negative events that are, that are happening throughout the game, and then optimize across those parameters. And also pull in, ultimately, um, the monetization that, uh, that you're using. It, and and hone in on you know the key metrics that that you want to optimize for. Obviously, monetization is a big one for for folks, um, as well as um, looking at engagement, engagement time, and how frequently people are coming back. Um, but uh, we can take in all of those uh, all of those pieces and and optimize across all of them. Um, the um, so yeah, in terms of the the old way that people uh, optimize for engagement. Um, it really looks at doing that across everyone, um, and real and here we're looking to do it for um, for each individual, and that from that you'll see you know massive engagement increases in terms of the number of people um, that that stick around and and how many times they're engaging and engaging for a longer period of time. So the game balancing and A/B testing. So yes, absolutely, you know A/B testing is is a key piece of it. There's, there is a period where you can also you can also just visualize and take in uh, your data and visualize you know users that are in the the, the flow channel. So not even um, having to make changes to the game or um, on a dynamic basis, but being able to just visualize where are my users, where are they on a per per level basis in terms of on that flow chart. Um, and then you know making those changes automatically on a on a on a one-to-one -one basis based on someone's personality and cognitive skills. And that just leads to higher retention and, as well as uh, an increase in paying users. If you look at the, the one to 3% of, of people that pay, um, that can be increased dramatically. Um, the other piece is, is, is in, in terms of um, user acquisition. So the ability to um, acquire users based on uh, the games, based on the, their, their personality and based on their skills. So across, you know, as we continue to build out our, our network, um, we will have the ability for you to, um, one, cross-promote and exchange users uh, on, a, on a free exchange basis. But then number two, to be able to, to pay to acquire users that really match uh, the cognitive skill level that you're looking for, that really are the personality type and are folks that are going to engage deeply um, with your games uh, from the outset. The, um, the other piece of it is uh, when we do engage, uh, when you do engage with a, um, uh, with a player, being able to adapt that game very quickly to, the, to that player really make sure that they they that they engage more deeply with your games and this can the adaptation can can span you know things not just difficulty but looking at progression looking at rewards and the achievements that you're giving them as well as upgrades 
and really, you know, any configurable piece of the game that you already manually adjust and adapt uh, for players. Um, it can also look at um, where people are, are spending time uh, across a more complex game. So if you have multiple game loops within a game, it can look at where people are spending time and, and where they're really um, uh, enjoying that time and, and can look to um, uh, put people into different um, uh, areas, drive people to different areas of the game based on uh, their engagement. What this results in really is, is just more profitable users. So if you're acquiring users at a, at a, at a cost, uh, ideally it's, it's at a lower cost, and then you're, you're keeping those users around and monetizing them um, at a higher rate. So the, in terms of the monetization, so yes, um, that is a key part of the equation, also being able to identify um, users that will become paying users. And, you know, oftentimes people, um, you know, game, game developers like yourselves uh, use um, gates or the ability to, you know, make maybe that it's, it's um, you know, the game could get a little more challenging and someone wants to progress faster, um, uh, wants to progress faster via purchasing upgrades uh, to be able to progress faster. And really, you know, the key is identifying um, when you have a person uh, like that, that basically will pay to progress faster um, versus someone that is is frustrated and is someone that is that is frustrated, is is not going to, to pay to get through that frustration per se. Um, and, and providing the right level of challenge so that person um, uh, continues to engage with the game. And even if they're, you know, and they may not be that type of person that wants to pay to, to speed it up, but they might also be um, a, a person that would be willing to pay for other things to, to maybe to um, uh, expand their collections or to personalize um, their avatar. So trying to um, really understand someone's motivations, the way they'd like to progress is really key to, to optimizing monetization. Um, and so having a better understanding of person and their personality, you know, are they that collector or are they that person that really needs to go out and, uh, and get there the fastest? That understand that differentiation and offering that, the, the right people, the right offer is, is just a, a critical way of, um, of really, really personalizing the game for that particular user. The other thing that you can look at, and, and there are companies that, that are, are looking at how you can optimize across different cultures and, you know, the pricing, obviously, the, and the pricing and the offers that are presented to, to people in different cultures. So that's obviously something that um, can be done as well. Uh, so you find the right price points across, um, uh, across the right countries, per se. But um, a lot of that... Uh, is, is also you know, not just um, driven by uh, the economics within the country, but it's also driven by the, um, uh, the type of person. And having a better understanding of, of people can give you a better, um, um, a, a better way to optimize monetization and the way you price things and the things that you present to particular users. And, and, and finally, looking at some, um, you know, just looking at the, uh, the market as a whole. So 
ROI, you know, ROI across players is, is critical. So having a better understanding of your players and who's built, how to um, um, maximize the return on your, your acquisition spend uh, is critical. So really, um, you know, Scoprem can enable this um, this adaptive uh, adaptive games and working with you know existing games as well as the new games that you're developing and being able to plug into those um, via the via the SDK, um, we can really uh, create this this um, this flywheel where we continue to bring in new data, develop predictive models faster across games. We've already started that flywheel with with the um, the data that we've been collecting around the, the forty different game mechanics that we have, um, and, the, and the companies that we're working with. So we can continue to um, uh, really identify and help to um, get folks, the right players, into the right games, engage them, personalize your games faster uh, through the the continuing data that that, that we continue to build, um, and ultimately. When uh, when games are personalized and people are becoming more fulfilled, they really are um, leaving uh, the games with their motivations met uh, and 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 feeling better, which is which is the key. And we can look at um, how personalization can impact other areas across work, in health, and education. Uh, you know, the corporate training applications, uh, digital therapeutics, there's a lot going on in that space uh, currently, and some adaptive play that's being leveraged within that world with, with um, Achille and the work they're doing with their FDA approved uh, ADHD uh, game. So, um, yeah, so that, that was, uh, that, that's basically it. Um, again, Here's my email. Uh, I'll be on for uh, questions. I know. Actually, thank you, David. That was awesome. So, one of the first we've got questions in chat, but one of the first questions that always comes up when there's new tech and new research and things like this, all of this research is fantastic, and people having access to it is fantastic. But in terms of making it feasible for indie teams, are you all doing anything on that side to? You know, let's say it's good to have the information, but showing them how to properly use the information as well. Oh yeah, so so um, we we have a, a platform and an SDK. So absolutely, you know that is our expertise. And so also we also do um, so as a platform, we're basically working with indie game devs. Um, and absolutely, also working as a uh, as as a new type of, of publisher as well to uh, to help work with indie devs to make sure they get the most out of the platform. Um, so, I mean, in terms of being able to personalize their games, there's a lot of handholding right now. We are we are in private beta right now. We are working and very much um, working very closely and taking on a lot of the work uh, to make game devs successful in personalizing their games. Uh, for, for individual players, but we take we our focus is taking in all of the research, understanding it, building you know building our our, our models and algorithms to really um, uh, take that best that you know all of that research and, and actually make it usable for uh, game developers. Awesome. 
That's what I like to hear. All right. So let's get into some questions here. I've never really considered how my personality traits might influ influence my choice of games. Being an INTJ, I find enjoyment in a wide variety of games. Is there a specific game genre that is especially well-suited for my personality type? <laughs> Um, you know, without an understanding of, of, um, of, of where you fall on those, uh, so unfortunately I'm, I'm not, um, as efficient as our, uh, predictive models are. <laughs> and, uh, so without, without an understanding of, of where you fall on, on the, uh, on those relative scales. So basically there's, um, it's, it's not just a polarized, you know, you're an introvert or you're an extrovert, you know, it's uh, it very much, uh, is, is a scale. And many people are on a, a scale of, you know, introverted to extroverted. You know, I actually tend to, to, to ride kind of in the middle um, uh, of, of introversion and extroversion, amazingly. And, uh, and so it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, that's exactly where, you know, our platform comes into play where you, we can gain an understanding of, of the degree of someone's introversion versus extroversion and across the big five, um, and then be able to understand uh, what types of games they might like. And as uh, the the data that I was showing you, you know, in terms of the uh, the various games, it basically uh, um, uh, what do you call it? the various game genres? Uh, it, it basically those are individual. Those are looking at individual personality traits. So the combination of all of your traits combined is going to have a different uh, result in terms of any of them individually. Does that make sense? I, I can see one of those future Cosmo quizzes coming out. Take this quiz to understand exactly what game genre you need to be playing. <laughs> well, it, it, it'll even be as simple as uh, already just having you play game. Our vision for the world is you playing uh, existing games that you're already playing and getting insight into your personality and the games that you're really going to enjoy. All right. So that goes into like one of the next questions as well. It's like, so... Wait, hold on, wrong one, this one. So how can, you know, the research and the personality information and all of this, you know, be used to help discoverability of games, which is the biggest issue right now, especially for indie developers? Yeah, so it's, it's um, it, it, well, I mean, you know, through the, through our, our platform, you know, we can help game developers to identify the, the personality traits by using our platform. They can plug in via an SDK by looking at the way people are playing their games. We can start to identify uh, their players, personality traits. Um, and then, and then from that uh, really identify the game genres and, and games uh, that, that they're going to like to play the combination of their personality and their cognitive skills. And so, you know, that's also, um, Interesting, you know, an, an interesting thing that you can do with that is um, also when you look at developing your next games in, in your portfolio, you, you can look at the players that you have uh, within your existing games or the people that um, that are engaging with it and, and also see what other game types uh, that are related or, or maybe even different um, will those users also like. Um, so, yes, we can, we can absolutely look to um, do that. But... It's not something that we could, we could say off the bat, you know, it, without having access to to your gameplay data. It's not something that we can uh, we can do otherwise. 
But here, here's a question that touches on what we were talking about in the last session as well, since, you know, I firmly have the theory that 85 to 90 percent of us in this industry fall on the spectrum somewhere. Have there been any studies conducted into neurodivergent individuals to determine which games particularly resonate to them? Um, you know, you know, who's uh, I actually see uh, George in the George Kachergis. He's in the he's in the uh, chat over there. He's actually uh, our lead scientist. Um, and so, I so saw he, his question and I'm like, I'll be damned. I think we have actual scientists in our chat, but yeah, <laughs> he, he is, he is actually our lead scientist and he's, uh, so he's intimately familiar with the, uh, with the breadth of, of, of the research out there and, uh, can absolutely answer that question much better than I could. <laughs> I, I, I want to know what about those of us who were extroverts when we were younger, but then as we got older, we just got grumpier and we don't want to be around people anymore. You know? So <laughs> I don't know if that's technically an introvert or if it's just like we're, we're tired of people. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can absolutely. Your personality will change over time. You can actually also um, do interventions and train yourself to um, to change your personality. It just, take, it just takes more time. But think about the, the concept of... Um, you know, if you're an introvert, an, an exercise that you could do is is just every day to say hello to a stranger. So every time you go to a grocery store, say hello to the cashier and, and ask them how they're doing or ask them questions. And and if you do that consistently, you will start to shift your your, your personality that way. Um, I actually, you know, used to be an introvert, started um, my uh, my first 13 years of life was, was very shy. Uh, and uh, look at me now presenting uh, in front of people. But this is what my, my son's getting in the age where they're starting to do a little bit of public speaking in school and all this sort of stuff. And he's like, Dad, I get nervous. And I'm like, Buddy, I give lectures all around the world and I'm on a podcast every single week. I still get nervous. It's okay. It's perfectly oh, yeah. fine. It's it's like that's this is just what happens. It's, oh, I, th I think the the nerves is part of it, right? It's kind of it's kind of what gets you a little bit excited and yeah. And, uh, yeah, I find that when you make mistakes um, in presentations, it oftentimes ends up being very entertaining. As you get older, you get a little bit of that, oh, I don't give a shit anymore, you know, factor <laughs> in it as well. So that helps. That's a very, I don't know if that's a clinical version yeah. of, of what you need to be doing, but there we go. I, you um, know, I usually feed off of uh, crowd feedback. So kind of this this online presenting thing is not something I enjoy as, as much. You get used as, to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially after 2020 i really feel like i was talking to myself all right so do you have any specific insights for designing games for people who are neurodivergent people for example people with autism who have sensory differences like higher or hyposensitivity to light and sound um you know so i i, I don't have um specific feedback around that um so around around how to potentially de design games specifically for those people i do so shelly check out there's a website called can i play this and there is an entire conference run by a friend of mine for what is it called the accessible game accessibility conference look up accessibility and game conference and it's all together they do a ton of research on this and they have a absolute wealth of knowledge on design, UI, all of these things that go into uh, various kinds of accessibility for, and that the fact that you will meet some absolutely fascinating people 
in those in those groups. The guy, I mean, I forget his name, plays competitive fighting games, and he's fully 100% blind. And he proves it. He will prove it by sitting in the tournament and destroying you with a blindfold on his eyes. But that community, those websites, and that conference are wonderful resources on all of this stuff because they cover it much better than than I do. Um, so from Benjamin on YouTube, how can gameplay turn into real life actions that promote self improvement? Um. Yes, I, I I would say that the the one the the one that we've that's in research already uh, is around uh, the ability to develop cognitive skills uh, via gameplay. So that that is something that um, you know really I don't think has been as as broadly identified um, uh, and um, and spread. But that you know games really do have the ability, and in children it they they have shown that people that 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 play games actually do develop uh certain skills at, at a statistically significantly higher rate um than than others and so the, and those cognitive skills are, are really things that can be used throughout your life to to excel at, at um at different things and cognitive skills can be developed at any stage of life so um the concept of you know one it's 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 amazing that we don't as, as humans, uh, you know, at this stage uh, of, of development in society, it's amazing that most people do not have insights into what they're actually really talented at. And people, you know, a lot of people um, have taken Myers-Briggs and they have insight, you know, broadly into their Myers-Briggs personality, but it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not the um, leveraging the big five, which is something that, that really should be you know, more pro prolifically used because it is grounded in science. Uh, and when you have something that's grounded in science, you can do a lot more with it in terms of correlating it to other outcomes or are looking at ways to, to develop it. The um, the other thing is is based on your, um, like not having an understanding or cognitive skills. There's there's actually cognitive skills that are required for specific jobs. And um, we've actually, you know, identified, there's actually a database de developed by the Department of Labor out there that, that identifies the, the skills that you need and the cognitive skills that you need to, to excel in, you know, over 15,000 different jobs. And um, people aren't aware of this, the cognitive skills they have and what level they are, they're at. Um, so you don't even know what skills you could actually develop to help to further your career. And, you know, if you want to become a CFO, what are the skills that I need? What are the cognitive skills that I need? And what cognitive skills do I have today? And how can I develop the skills that I need to get where I want to go? Um, it's just... Um, but it, I think, you know, games have really been underrated in terms of, um, you know, so many and, and most games involve, all games involve cognitive skills and, and most games can develop cognitive skills. And, uh, you know, it's something that we um, need to really uh, push through the industry that games can be, can do a tremendous amount of good in, in actual real life. All right. So one more time, what was the database for cognitive skills? Uh, it's called the ONET database. It's uh, I think it's ONET O N E T online.org. So, building on the the real life actions, there's a we've seen a lot of games, and it always cringe when when I see this. Some 
company going, we're going to gamify something. It's like, that's no, you're not. You're most of these companies that want to gamify something are basically just adding achievements to it. But there are some fantastic, like next generation things coming out where they're building on this. So it's like, you know, we've seen that people are improving their daily habits by playing Pokemon Go because they're out walking more and, and things like that. Um, I will give sh a shout out to uh, one of our community members, uh, Elena at Glossbird, is actually using a lot of this to create a game called Fitment for your phone, where you're it, it's basically using the Duolingo, hey, do a little bit of this every day, but it's for fitness. And so it, there are companies that are doing this, but I would say it's still relatively new. And so platforms you know, like this one, are good to be able to plug in there, understand what's going on, adapt to it, and continuing to build. But it's definitely the indie teams of the world that are going to lead that because they're the ones willing to take chances. Well, and the, this sort of stuff. And, and the key is that that you can take um, a game that was designed for fun, um, mm -hmm. and and you don't have to have a serious game that's designed, um, you know, for for particular skill development per se to to actually develop cognitive skills and so and often and, and and what you can do um you know using our, our platform is oftentimes cognitive development comes through uh challenge and really making it hard uh for someone to continue to uh to continue to be challenged cognitively and uh and continuing to to progress through that um you know through that challenge so that can be done within a game that that has been built and designed um, for fun, uh, just by adjusting the, the difficulty level and the parameters that that a game developer uses for difficulty. <laughs> in, in other words, don't let psychologists design games; they're not good at it. Um, the the other thing I wanted to highlight though is is um so in, in long lines of of the personal improvement is you know so so i'm saying that we so we can also surface in a very fun way to your players we can surface um and start to to build their you know surface their skills to them their personality traits to them it's a fun way you know people are obsessed with themselves and really want to know more about themselves and it's it's something that that we can do kind of in between um you know in in between levels or in, as an enhancement through an embedded um you know, an, an embedded piece that you can put onto the profile of the user. It, um, but that's not something that that needs to happen. It, it can also be something where you know the um, um, uh, what do you call that is all being done in the background, and the personalization is happening uh, in the and is not kind of present to the user up front. Well, it's it's like everything else. The psychologists may not be good at designing games, but the game designers in our, in our world aren't that great at figuring out psychology all the time. So it's just we all need to work together, and yeah. that's that's where it goes. David, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, are you in the Discord? Are you around for questions? If there are any, yes, yes, all right. absolutely. So if you're in the Discord, you have additional questions. Look, at, we're having people having difficulty finding it. So it's under the September 2023 IGB sessions category. There's a post-session chat in there. Um, ask away. And then I'm going to kick it on over for our next conference, our next session. We'll Great. see you all soon. Thank you very much. Thanks.
Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at IndieGame.Business.